Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Amen. Go with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. How many of you are enjoying these teachings and these studies on the gifts of the Spirit? Amen. It's so vital uh, that we recognize the capacity that God is wanting the church to understand and operate in, in the, in the spirit realm, in our spiritual realities. And, um, you know, there is enough happening in the world that can tell you, uh, that indicates to us that natural things alone are not going to get it done. Isn't that right? You know, I, I think that the, the, the church is getting worn out, frustrated, and, and even lost in the fact that we're trying to fight spiritual battles with natural resources. I think that's where we, we can run a dangerous course. You know, we talked about discerning of spirits um, last week. And uh, just speaking on discernment in general, not having even to get into the gift of the discerning of spirits, but just understanding the the need for discernment in these last days. Um, And that the reason for that is, is because it's now so easy to put on a facade. It's so easy to make evil look good. isn't 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 that just the way that it is today? The, the, People are motivated by the sensational. People are motivated by what looks impressive. Um, it's real easy to dress things up today. It's real easy to put a little tag on it um, or call it Christ or call it Christian or call it kingdom. But underneath, it's not. It has nothing. It's, it's the furthest thing from Christ. It's, further, it's the furthest thing from the kingdom of God. It's the furthest thing from his intents and his purposes. And so, you know, in these days, it's extremely vital that we are tapping into the things of the Spirit and understanding things by the Spirit of God and led by the Spirit of God and understanding that these gifts, again, were given so that the church could profit, that the church could benefit. You know, on the alternative, we could read it this way. If these gifts are not in operation, then the church isn't benefiting. The church isn't profiting. The church isn't increasing. The church isn't advancing. Therefore, the church isn't, is, is not well-equipped to face what is coming in these last days. And, and, and we can go through the motions and we can have our our. our our, our personas, and, and we can, you know, play the whole song and dance and, and, and do what we've done all along. But until we welcome the, the gifts and the power and the use of the Holy Spirit back into our services, back into our lives, going beyond this room, going beyond this address, going beyond, but welcoming the operation of the Holy Spirit in your life on a personal, individual level, that ought to be our greatest hunger in these days. If you don't recognize a need uh, uh, I mean, if you haven't felt, man, this is bigger than me, this is larger than me, I, I don't know how to address this, I don't know where this is coming from. I mean, even in, in, in just the past, 
you know, several days, things that are happening in Washington and, and things that are happening in our country. And, and there's devices, there's tactics. Remember, the, the, the enemy always operates with deception. He doesn't just come out and say, hey, I'm the big bad devil and I'm, I'm here to destroy your life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but the way he comes is a wolf in sheep's clothing. He looks like you. He sounds like you. He talks like you. I mean, look at how he faced Jesus in the desert, in the wilderness. He's quoting scripture to him. And if we're just surface Christians, it'll be very easy to get run over. It'll, get very, it'll be very easy to follow this and follow that. And, and you know, I'll be honest, you know, y- y'all have heard the parable of the wheat and the tares. And Jesus says, let them grow together. You know, I think that there are some things that, that we're just not going to know if it was good or evil until we get to the end. And it's like, oh. And that's where discernment will help. Because now you're thinking, well, great, how am I going to know the difference? The, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows the difference. The Holy Spirit, and you're just going to follow that. And it's going to look stupid on the outside. Everybody's going to be flocking to him. Everybody's going to be chasing after him. Everybody's going to be following him and liking him and tweeting him and quoting him. And, and they're going to have a, a great platform and a great stage, but you won't know until the very end, wow, that wasn't God at all. And again, this isn't for us to look over our shoulder and who's good, who's not. You just listen to the Holy Spirit. Just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But we, it may not become evident until the very end when it's time to pluck it up. This is wheat, this is tares. Let them grow together. The day will come, and they'll have to answer. But for you, you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so that's why we're covering this, and that's why we're, we, we continue to give emphasis to this. Look at, let's look at our main passage here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. So he's, rec- he's, he's showing us that operating in these gifts and operating in spiritual matters is, is uh, it, it's a basis of leading and following. You, you cannot operate in gifts, spiritual gifts of ministry, ministry gifts, if you are not led by the Holy Spirit. So you have to be a follower. We've always said this, every great leader in the word, righteously, every great leader is a great follower of the Holy Spirit. A great follower, you must become proficient in following the Holy Spirit if you want to lead in any capacity regarding spiritual matters. It's, it's, it's a prerequisite. It's not an option. It's not, well, you know, if you want to give emphasis to it, if you want to have value for the Spirit, of, if you don't have value for the Spirit of God, you're just not, you're, you're not going to be capable. You might look successful on the outside, but you're, you're missing the most prominent thing that he says you were led by these things. And so you followed after it. And so what we follow after is dependent upon what we give ear to, what we lend ourselves to. He says, you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Someone took you there. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. 
But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Not for the profit of the one. It's not so you can grow your ministry, not so you can get a crowd, not so you can gain influence, not so you can look spiritual. It's for the profit of the church. I would say that's the second prerequisite. If you want to operate in the ministry gifts, you need to have the best interest of others at heart, not yourself. The best interest of others. We're tired of leaders that are trying to grow their own thing. We're, 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 we're tired. We've grown tired of, of people that are just trying to build upon their own experiences and their own uh, accolades and their own stages and platforms. God is looking for leaders that have the best interest of others. You want to be a leader, become a servant, right? So he says you got to have the interest of others. This is for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And then he reiterates once again for us. He's already hit this point, but now he's reminding us. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. As he wills. Um, So we have obviously categorized these nine gifts into three separate categories. We have just finished up with the Uh, Gifts of revelation, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. All three of those gifts are revealing something. They are showing you something. The second category is the, the gifts that say something, the utterance gifts. Prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And then the power gifts, they do something. They demonstrate something. The gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healings. Tonight we're going to get into the gifts, the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues. So we've just wrapped up uh, the category of the gifts that reveal something. And so uh, that would be the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. If you've missed any of these, I encourage you to to go online and grab them. I want to remind you, I'm not getting super down in depth. I could get professor mode. I, I could get, you know, uh, we, we operated at one time a Bible school called Kingdom Institute. Uh, it, it's a three-year Bible school program you commit yourself to Sunday nights. One of my favorite things, to be honest with you, is just teaching in that environment and teaching individuals going deeper. I'm not going into that kind of depth, um, but I'm just trying to give an overall overview of these gifts so we can have an understanding. Remember, we teach these things. We separate them for the sake of teaching and for the sake of understanding individually. But remind you that this is not for religious protocol or practice. This isn't for us to, to uh, you know, we're not studying this so that we can become religious in our activity. But understanding how these gifts operate. Some basic key qualities, some basic do's and don'ts. And then going on from there. We're going to look at the gift of tongues. And then, of course, the other two in the category of the gifts that say something would be the interpretation of tongues. And then the gift of prophecy. 
So we'll get into those in the coming weeks as well. Amen. Uh, so let's look at this, the gift of tongues. He says there, bring, let's bring that verse back up in verse 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, he says it this way, a different kinds of tongues. Uh, I believe the King James reads diverse kinds of tongues. The word diverse there actually in the King James is in italicized, meaning that it was added at a later time. So originally when it was written, it was just written kinds of tongues. But ultimately it's to, to mean this. This is what uh, we are saying when we're talking about the gift of tongues. The supernatural utterance by the Holy Spirit. The supernatural utterance by the Holy Spirit in languages never learned by the speaker. The supernatural utterance by the Holy Spirit. You'll notice that every single time, just about, we're, gonna, we're going to define a gift with that statement, by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. A supernatural ability, a supernatural knowledge, a supernatural uh, uh, capacity, whatever. This is a supernatural language, meaning that it's not natural. It's not something that you learned on your own. It's not something that you gained by studying or your own intellect. Um, it, so this is supernatural. The supernatural utterance by the Holy Spirit in languages never learned by the speaker. Not understood by the mind of the speaker. Not understood by the mind of the speaker. That doesn't mean you can't get revelation of it, but we'll, we'll get into that. Not understood by the mind of the speaker, nor necessarily always understood by the hearer. Nor necessarily understood by the hearer. So when we're talking about tongues, we're talking about a language. We're not talking about a physical tongue. We're not talking about um, the Holy Spirit speaking through you in the sense that he's the one doing the talking. I want to uh, uh, help us understand that when we're talking about tongues and the ability to speak in a heavenly language or an unknown language, you are using your breath. You are using your vocal cords. You are using your tongue and you are using your lips just as you would naturally. So the supernatural component is working with the natural component. Every gift works this way. There is a participation and a necessary obedient response on the participant to partner with the Holy Spirit. I can have a word of knowledge but fail to give it failed to speak it, therefore I have not partnered with the Holy Spirit. Now it's him that reveals the word of knowledge. I didn't learn that. I didn't go to school and learn that. I didn't ask you uh, questions about that. I didn't just happen to, to, to you know, uh, guess at something, at an issue that's going on in your life or a pain you have in your body or, or whatever. That's simply the whole, that's the supernatural component. But it still demands me obeying. It demands us. God isn't doing anything in the earth 
apart from or aside from you and I responding with him, right? The gates of hell will not prevail against who? The church. The keys of the kingdom have been given to who? The church. And who's doing the forbidding? The church. Who's doing the allowing? The church. And notice heaven is partnered with us and we're partnered with them. Jesus made it very clear that the Holy Spirit would come alongside you, but it doesn't mean he would do it for you. And so we're talking about tongues very much. Uh, there, there are natural components of it in the sense that you have to submit to the Holy Spirit. Out of all the gifts, this typically t- tends to be the one that people are the most hesitant to partner with. This is tongues and interpretation of tongues. People are a a little more responsive to prophecy, a a little more responsive to maybe laying hands on someone, uh, uh, giving a word of knowledge, giving a word of wisdom, so on and so forth. But but this one more so than others, you know, I I don't know how many times in my own life and I've been told by other people, man, I felt like the Lord was, I felt like I had a tongue in service today. (laughs) Afterward. After sir, they don't tell me that. They don't tell me that during the. They 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 come to you afterward. Well, you're not. You know, it's given for the edification and benefit and profit of all. Now you're just profiting me. But hey, that's okay. The Lord is gracious. The Lord is merciful. He wants us to partner with Him, and He wants us to submit to Him, and He wants us to be obedient with Him. But this one is 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 definitely uh, there is a lot of natural partnership taking place. And that this is where people get stuck a lot of times when it comes to tongues. Now I'm talking about the, 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 the gift of tongues and we're gonna differentiate between just your heavenly prayer language, but they both operate the same way. It requires you to partner. I've, I've prayed with people to, to speak in tongues, to receive their heavenly prayer language, to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes they just stand there and look at you. Sometimes they will hold their, their mouth open, uh, you know, just expecting the Holy Spirit to just start flapping their lips up and down and moving their tongue and, and making their vocal cords work. No, you have to do that. Well, what do I say? What the Holy Spirit tells you to say? Well, how do I know what to say? He'll let you know in the moment. And that's, that's, that's the component where the mind gets in the way. With all these gifts, remember, they're supernatural. So they're going to operate beyond natural ability and beyond natural capacity and beyond uh, uh, natural reasoning. And if you're just waiting to understand it or waiting to figure it out or how does it, how does it sound or what does it feel like, then, then you're going to miss the boat. Yielding to the Holy Spirit is... is one of the most amazing things in the believer's life, but it's also one of the most uncomfortable. But I, I, you know, I just believe the church ought to become comfortable operating in the things of the Spirit. I think it ought to be more comfortable than natural, than the natural realm. The supernatural should become natural to us. Amen. So, with this, he says different kinds of tongues, diverse kinds of of tongues. We see in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, we obviously know that this is the chapter where the uh, initial disciples, apostles of Jesus, they were commanded to what? Go to the upper room, go to Jerusalem, tarry and wait 
for what? The promise of the Father. Apparently, Jesus said, you're not ready yet. These individuals had walked with Jesus for three and a half years, heard him minister, heard him teach, had a personal relationship with him, uh, even more so than what you and I call a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus in my heart or, or being, you know, in the body of Christ, being in the kingdom, however you want to put it. These individuals literally walked with Jesus, and Jesus still said, you're not prepared. But I got something else for you. I got someone else for you. So go and wait. And they waited approximately 10 days in this upper room. And they didn't know what the promise of the Father was. They heard Jesus talk about the Holy Spirit, but they didn't know what that day was going to look like. They didn't know. They didn't know what to expect. They just knew that power was going to come. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will give you power, right? And you'll become witnesses. So they knew what the result would be, but they didn't know what that experience would be like. So Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, here it is, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So notice, they began to speak as the Spirit gave utterance. Your part is the speaking, and the Holy Spirit's part is the utterance. It's very simple. Well, what am I going to say? That's not your job. <laughs> That's not your job. You don't need to be concerned with it. You're just doing the speaking. He's doing the utterance. He's doing the what is coming out. And they spoke with other tongues. Now, if we keep on going in verse uh, 5, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, look at this, from every nation under heaven. You know, this could be likened to maybe, you know, a city like New York City. You know, it, it's got a lot of different nationalities, right? There's Chinatown. Um, I think there's Little Italy, right? Didn't we go down there? I think we, we ate down there in Little Italy, ate at an authentic Italian restaurant down there. You know, you've got these different pockets. It's very much international in, in New York City. So you got a lot of different nationalities. And you're talking like, uh, you know, people that are actually of these nationalities, you know, that speak these languages and live these cultures. I mean, when you drive through Chinatown in New York City, you think you're in China. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever been there? I mean, it's literally like you don't know what the sign says, you know. I, I mean, it, 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 the culture changes. And so that's what this, this time would be like in Jerusalem. It was a melting pot, many different nations under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. Why were they confused? Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. In his own language. Now, it's not, I mean, you would think, well, what's confusing about that? You're actually hearing your own language. What was confusing was they knew that these men were not of their nationalities. In fact, they even later on realized you're not even trained men. Like this, you guys aren't even 
capable of learning this, right? They weren't the scholars of the day. They weren't the intellectuals of the day. They weren't the well-learned. You're talking fishermen, you know? You're, you're talking individuals that, hey, we're just trying to make a living and get on with life. They're, they're not, you know, ones trying to gain all this knowledge and gain all this, this wealth of information and trying to learn all these different things as others did. And so the confusing part was who was doing the speaking in their own language. And we know by the power of the Holy Spirit, they were given utterance. In Mark chapter 16, in Mark chapter 16, we know uh, Jesus says this to his disciples as well before he ascends to heaven, the Great Commission. He says this in verse 17. These signs will accompany those who have believed. These signs will accompany those who have believed. So this is for believers. What's the qualification for these signs to operate in your life? Be a believer. Right? John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said the same thing. If you believe these works that I do, you will do, and even greater works. What's the qualification? Believe. It's so simple. It's, the gospel is simple, guys. The gospel is really simple. It's not complicated. I said it on Sunday. The, the gospel is simple enough for us to believe and walk in it, supernatural enough that it still demands faith. Sure, there's going to be parts that you uh, don't know. There's going to be parts that you don't understand. But that's why faith is, is necessary. And that's why without faith, it's impossible to please God. I love living in the trusting beyond knowing. That's a great place to live. It's a great place to exist. It's a great place to operate this kingdom life. You know, sometimes I think that we demand reasoning where God isn't expecting us to have a reason or to have an understanding, naturally speaking. There's things we've been through. There's things that we've gone through where there's questions, still questions today. But if we always need an explanation or we always need God to explain, you know, sometimes I think, think about it this way. Are we really accepting Jesus or is Jesus accepting us? You know, we say that. Will you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Really, honestly, what it is, is I'm putting myself in a position that now Jesus accepts me into his kingdom. But when my mentality is I have to accept him, then what I'm doing is I'm bringing him down to my level until I can accept him on my level, on my ability to reason, on my ability to understand. Now, you know what? I don't think we are accepting Jesus. He is the Lord, whether you accept it or not. He's the King of kings, whether you accept it or not. He reigns above all, whether you accept it or not. He's on the throne, whether you accept it or not. He died, whether you accept it or not. He was buried in a grave and came back to life, whether you accept it or not. The ultimate goal is, will we put ourselves in a position where he accepts us? And what is that? Believing. It's not hard. The criteria is simple, but he's saying... This is where you need to be so I can bring you in. And I want you, I want you to believe. And I want you to know. And I want you to, to, to walk in this. And I want you to be everything I've called so that you can come and enjoy all the benefits of the kingdom that I have for you. But when we put these stipulations like you need to explain this and you got to reason that and this has to make sense. Then what we're doing is we're trying to get Jesus to come down to us rather than us 
coming up to him. So, yeah, there's components of this that, that may not be understood, but the simplicity is these signs will accompany those who have believed. And I can believe without knowing. I can believe without understanding. Thomas needed to understand. And in Jesus' mercy, what did he do? He showed him the holes in his hands and his feet. But what's the statement after that? Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. I'm glad he said that because he's not here to show me the holes in the hands and the holes in the feet and the side, the spear mark in the side. I, I, I'm not, I can't see that physically. But what he demands of us is simple faith, the simplicity of believing because it's in his word. And so he says, these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, some have argued that when he's speaking here, they will speak with new tongues. They have said, well, that just means that he'll clean up your language. You're naturally, and that's true. I, I, I've heard, I, I heard someone uh, say, uh, just recently I, I saw this somewhere. They said, speaking in tongues is a gift of the Spirit, but holding your tongue is a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> right? Some people speak in tongues in a heavenly language, but they also speak in tongues in a very natural language as well. Tongues that should not be repeated. Come on. And some of them do it both. Sure. Maybe we'll get onto that at some point. You know, a lot of times we use the measure of a person's spirituality or, or, or the measure of gifts that they operate in as an indicator of their spirituality, and that's just not so. Why? Because it's for the profit of all. I had someone tell me that one time. He couldn't reconcile how someone would speak in tongues but also cuss people out. I mean, just being very real with me. And I said, I get it. I hate it. I hate that, that sometimes spiritual capacities and spiritual elements and spiritual gifts operate through people who are very unspiritual. Yes. But you know why? Because whoever was in the, the room or whoever was there for the profit of all. I mean, go through the Bible. God has used imperfect people from the beginning. Absolutely, he has. Not one of us is above that. And people will use spiritual gifts as an indicator of, look at me, look how spiritual I am. But we know that that's not the indicator, that the value ought to be for the fruit of the Spirit over the gifts of the Spirit. We need to be developing fruit. And on that note, let me say this too. Out of the nine fruits of the Spirit, you need all of them. Yeah, you don't get to just pick one or two or three that are in my character or that's my, I'm just a joyous person. I'm not really a joyful person. So, you know, I don't really operate in the joy of the spirit that much, but I'm, I'm peaceful and I have the, the peace. I have self-control. No, we need them all. It's the fruit of the spirit. And the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, kindness, self-control. Those are the fruits and they all should be evident. 
Okay. So he says that uh, in my name, they will speak with new tongues. This new tongues is speaking uh, of, of the same things that we're learning about in Acts chapter 2, the same things that we're hearing about throughout the book of Acts. And now Paul is revealing to us that there is a ministry gift, a spiritual gift of ministry to be ministered to the body of the church to edify all for the profit of all, for the benefit of all, the gifts of tongues, diverse kinds of tongues, different kinds of tongues, okay? And so we see there uh, that this was an expectation, again, for believers. This is an expectation for those that have come into the kingdom. Let me also identify this. Out of all of the nine gifts that we're looking at, tongues and interpretation of tongues are the only two that are distinct to this dispensation. Every single other gift you can find in the Old Testament, you can find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which honestly is still the Old Covenant. Jesus has not yet died on the cross. But you can find gifts of healings, working of miracles, gifts of, gift of faith, uh, prophecy is evident, discerning of spirits is in the Old Testament, words of wisdom and word of knowledge are all evident throughout the entire Bible. So specifically for this dispensation, what's this? this? Since Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we're in the dispensation of grace until Jesus returns. So th specifically, these two gifts, we, we don't see any record where Jesus spoke in tongues. We don't see any record in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, he told us that we would in Mark chapter 16 after he rose from the dead. But he, we, we don't see that activity in place. So apparently there must be an importance to this dispensation of why it is necessary and why these two gifts, tongues and then the interpretation of those tongues, are important for the church age today. But in the book of Acts, you see them used quite often. You see prophecy, you see gift of tongues, you see interpretation of tongues. And then Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 actually takes these two. Out of all of the nine gifts, two chapters later in chapter 13 and chapter 14, or after chapter 13 into chapter 14, he gives an entire chapter devoted to tongues and interpretation of tongues. What's that tell us? Why didn't he do that for working of miracles? Why didn't he do that for gifts of faith, gifts, gifts of healing? Why didn't he do that for words of wisdom, words of knowledge? Why didn't he do that for prophecy or discerning of spirits? He didn't give us entire chapters devoted to those. Apparently, there's an importance. Apparently, there's a value for this dispensation in the church for this ministry, the gift of tongues. Now, I told you earlier, we need to distinguish between the gift of tongues and the heavenly prayer language or the private personal prayer language you receive when you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I've got to be able to break, break that down for you, okay? Many times we call it the gift of tongues when it's not the gift of tongues. I've had people tell me, I've prayed for the gift of tongues and I just haven't received it. Well, you're praying for the wrong thing. Number one, what you're praying for is a heavenly prayer language. The, the purpose 
of your heavenly prayer language purely is devotion to God. Devotion to God. This is important that we understand this. Your private prayer language, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and as we see recorded in the book of Acts, it is always accompanied with speaking in other tongues. When you receive that personal private, the the goal of it is to enhance your prayer life. You can really divide it into praying in tongues and speaking in tongues. It's two different things. I know it might just seem like a play on words or, you know, just manipulating things here and there. We got to understand our personal private language, private prayer language is just that, personal and private. Personal and private. And Paul defines this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 because this seems to be the, the main error that this Corinthian church was struggling with. They didn't understand the difference between the private side and the public side. The private side is for devotion. It's, 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 it's also used as worship to God. It's literally your spirit connecting with his spirit. Okay? It's your spirit connecting with his spirit. It also tells us in Romans chapter 8 that when we pray in the spirit, the Holy Spirit assists us in praying. He helps us in our weakness when we don't know how to pray. Romans chapter 8, it's verse uh, 20, 26. Did I jot that down? Let's get it. Romans chapter 8. Verse verse 26, yes. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. The Spirit, the capital S, Spirit. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but here it is. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, I'm not going to teach on the prayer language and speaking in tongues. I actually did that at the end of last year for several weeks. Y'all remember that? We did that for several weeks. So I've got a whole teaching out there just on why tongues, praying in tongues, is necessary for every believer. And it was, I don't know, four, five weeks. It was at length. We covered the topic. Remember we said this, that when you pray in tongues, you are not praying without knowledge. You're praying beyond knowledge. That's very important to understand because the first thing people want to highlight is, I don't know what I'm saying. Good. Now you can pray for something you didn't even know you needed to pray for. Now you can pray in a vein you didn't even know how to or had the capacity to. I'm thankful for the partnership of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for his assistance. I don't know how many times I've prayed in the Spirit and prayed something through, and I don't even know what the result was. Maybe until I get to the other side, I may never find out. Now, there are times where I've prayed in the Spirit, and I know I empowered something. I brought power to something. I prayed something out, and I felt the release in my spirit. I felt the burden lift. How long do you pray in the Spirit? Until you feel the release. When you feel the burden, you you wait till you feel the release. I've woken up in the middle of the night feeling the need to pray in the Spirit. I've prayed in the Spirit on the spot, just feeling, I just feel an unction to pray in the Spirit right now. Yeah. I don't need to know why. I just obey. I just do it. And I don't need God to tell me. 
right? He's not my informant. Hey, I, I don't need him to reveal everything to me. I just need to be obedient. I just need to follow what he tells me to do. If he, if he puts an urge and, and, and a burden on me by the Spirit of God to pray in tongues, to pray in the Spirit in a language I don't know, and I have no understanding of what I'm praying, and I don't even know what roundly I could be praying for or about, I'm okay with that. I just want to be used by him. I just want to be submissive to him. Okay? So that's, pray, that's the prayer language. That should be happening daily. That should be happening in our lives daily. It is, it is not a one-time incident. I baptized in the Holy Spirit. I prayed in tongues at that moment, and now I never engage it. No, it needs to be built up. You can, you'll find yourself needing a refilling. I mean, Acts chapter 2, the, we just read the disciples are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Guess what? Two chapters later, they need a refill. They need a refill. And they got filled with the Spirit, the 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 the. The, the whole place shook where they were accompanied. They began to praise the Lord, and they began to be filled with the Spirit as they were on day one. Then in Acts chapter 8, we see people filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 10, people filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 11, people filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 19, people saying, we don't know anything about this Holy Spirit, but we want it. And they get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they prophesy, and they speak in tongues. So that's the personal, private use. That is a prayer language. That is not for uh, you know, for you to know. Many times you may not have revelation accompany a private personal use of praying in tongues. Jude, the book of Jude also tells us when we pray in tongues, we are strengthening our spirit, man. It's almost like a spiritual exercise for your spirit, man. You feeling drained, you feeling weighed down, you feeling burdened, you feeling burnt out, you feeling weak in an area, pray in the spirit. And I know for some people that's just too spiritual, but you're missing out. You know, I, people sometimes will bypass the easy things to get to what they want. Remember Naaman? He thought he was going to have to pay all this gold and all this silver and bring all these clothes to the prophet. And, and the prophet said, ah, just go dip in the water seven times. That was actually easier than what he was willing to do. But he got upset because it wasn't what he wanted to do. <laughs> and sometimes we do this. God doesn't do it the way we want him to do it. But what he's actually telling us to do is much easier than, what the, than the, the, the plan we devised. People will go through all kinds of things to keep themselves anxious and worried and burdened. It's amazing. They work, they'll, work on it. they'll work hard at it, and the devil will help you. You ever notice that? The devil is always there to help you be confused, help you be anxious, help you be worried, help you be tired, help you grumble and complain. He's always there to assist you with that. So we recognize that... Uh, a key differentiation is that in the, the personal use, your prayer language, it's devoted to God. The direction of your personal prayer language is typically you to God. That's the direction of the communication. Direction's important. Direction's important. Now, that's not you telling God what to do. That's your spirit connecting with the spirit of God, and he's praying for you in a way beyond what you could do on your own. But that is prayer directed from me to God. Typically, 
and Paul identifies this, and maybe some of my charismatic people might not like this, but your personal private prayer language is not for corporate settings. It's not to demonstrate how spiritual you are. Paul identifies that we should not be speaking in tongues in a corporate public setting more than we're speaking in a natural language that people can understand. Because now you have no longer the, 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 be, the best interest of others at heart. You've got your interest at heart. Now, I know, you, you know, we're, we are a spirit-filled church. We are a charismatic church. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in, in speaking in other tongues and believe that every believer should be baptized in the Holy Spirit and should speak with other tongues, every single one. And at times, we'll have times where we pray in the Spirit together. We'll have times corporately, just like we pray in, in, in the natural language corporately, we'll pray in the Spirit corporately. But it's not to show off. It's not to, to, to show off our spirituality. A lot of times I've heard this before uh, from individuals mostly that are not baptized in the Holy Spirit or have not had that encounter, that they feel like they are less than a Christian than one that does pray in the Spirit. Now, feeling that way is not because I made you feel less than, but I understand. You, we've accessed something that you have chosen not to access. We have accessed an area that you have chosen, I'm going to stay on the outside of that thing. So it's not that you're less than a Christian, but you are accessing less of a capacity that God wants for you to access. Yes. You're not any less. You're, you're not going anywhere different. We're all going to the same heaven. We're all in the body of Christ. We're all kingdom citizens. But there are elements within the kingdom that some tap into that some don't. There are some that choose that, 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 the, that, that prosperity in Christians that prosper or Christians that, that, are, that have access to finance are unbiblical and unscriptural and, and that we should live this, this you know, blemished, uh, poverty-stricken life so that God can test us. And, you know, I heard someone say the other day, how much money is too much money? However much money it is that, tra that trades trust when you no longer trust in God. But there's no set. God wants to prosper you. God wants you to do well. Same thing with healing. Same thing with healing. There are some that have decided, you know what? He's not healing today. He's actually putting sickness on people to test them and to, 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 to test their faith and to get them to trust and believe in him. Well, if that's the case, then Jesus was going around undoing all of God's plan to put sickness on people. So and in any element within Christianity, there is a word on a matter and then you have to accept or partner or walk in connection with that. But as far as the corporate setting goes, it is our, our, our private prayer language is not for the benefit of others, is what I'm saying. There may be times that we do it together corporately, but understand it's not for the benefit of someone else. That's your personal devotion to the Lord. Uh, so when we're talking about the gift of tongues, we are talking about a supernatural ability to speak out the things of God 
using an unknown language. The gift of tongues is a supernatural ability to speak out the things of God using an unknown language. The supernatural capacity is I'm speaking in a language I do not know. Now, in the Bible, as we saw in Acts chapter 2, they were speaking in actual earthly languages that weren't known by the speaker, by the one doing the speaking, but they were understood by the hearer. And and I've known people, I was actually in a service where a, a pastor spoke in another language that he had no knowledge of, but he was speaking in an earthly language that he didn't go to school to learn. And it wasn't just a few words, it was full on speaking in a, in a language. But that is a gift of tongues in operation. When you are praying in a, in a heavenly prayer language, it's typically not in an earthly language, it's typically in a heavenly language because you're talking directly to God. But as we see here, the gift of tongues is a supernatural ability to speak out the things of God using an unknown language. It is a ministry gift. Therefore, its focus is the edification and profit of the church. The gift of tongues is is a ministry gift. Therefore, it is not for your personal profit. It's not for your personal development. Not for you. The gift of tongues isn't going to strengthen your spirit, man, like Jude tells us our personal private prayer language will. It has a different focus. It has a different goal. It has a different mission. It's the profit and benefit of all. Okay? It's the gift of tongues. In a corporate, uh, typically it is used in a public setting or at least with another individual. So whether personal, whether I'm speaking with Matthew and I just get a, a, a tongue, I give the tongue, but then what's going to be necessary on the other side of that? Because is the unknown language going to help him at all? It's not going to help him, is it? Sure won't. So typically, it's got to be accompanied by the interpretation of tongues. Like I told you, we divide these to teach them, but you find many of them work in tandem, and the gift of tongues demands the use of interpretation. So this, rather than us talking to God, the gift of tongues is God talking through us to the body. You see the direction. It's inverted. It's different, okay? So when you're in a corporate setting and you hear someone praying in tongues, you don't need the interpretation. I've had people get upset with me. I, you know, people in our church, they're praying in tongues and I can hear them. Okay, are, are they talking to you? No, I, I could just hear them. I feel like I need to know what they're saying. Why? <laughs> I, I mean, we laugh about it, but I'm seriously, I've had these conversations. So I help them understand the difference of the direction. I said, they're talking to God. They're talking to God. It'd be no different than if we were all corporately praying to God in English to God. Now, if I receive a a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a, 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 a a prophetic utterance in service corporately that is now being directed to the body, then yeah, we all need to perk up and it would be rude for you to be carrying on another conversation while they are ministering to you because it's God 
through man by his spirit, ministering to the body for what? The profit and benefit of all, right? So at that time, at that point, everyone gets quiet. Everyone directs our attention to the one doing the speaking. We're not carrying on conversations. You know, typically there's, there's little to no music being played at all because we're giving reverence and honor to God literally speaking to us by his spirit, using a vessel, using a man. Okay? So uh, in, it is typically used in a public setting, and the direction is God talking to man, not man talking to God. Let's look at a few verses here, and then we'll wrap this up. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Um, Robert, if you've got that pulled up, just give me the whole chapter. There's a few verses that I need to just bounce around here and just kind of pick apart. I want to remind you that Paul devoted an entire chapter to tongues and interpretation. And prophecy as well is included this. Tongues and interpretation together equals prophecy. Prophecies in a known language. Tongues and interpretation demands two separate gifts operating. And prophecy just demands the one. Because if someone gives a tongue, we need an interpretation. And we'll get into interpretation uh, probably next week. Go over the interpretation of tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, look at this in um, verse, uh, start with verse 3, verse 2. Verse 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. There's a direction. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So now when we see prophecy there, when we say when someone prophesies, the same can be said of tongues and interpretation of tongues. When someone gives a tongue and there's an interpretation given, it is for the edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That's the praying side. That's the private side. But he who prophesies edifies the church, the body. Verse 5 says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Notice Paul is not discouraging the use. And I want to remind you, these Corinthians were using it and abusing it, misusing these gifts. And in his account or, or correction or even rebuke to this Corinthian church, he's not discouraging them. He says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Further on down, he says, I, I pray in tongues more than all of you. So again, what's he do? What's he, he's, he's not discouraging the use. He's not saying that doesn't need to be happening. That's not for today. That doesn't need to be an operation. That's only for certain. He's not saying that. He's saying we need to understand its purpose. And you can understand how praying in a prayer language and a heavenly language on a daily basis and coming into a corporate setting and having that misused can create some confusion. You understand why he's having to address this. Of all the other gifts that are given, all the other seven gifts, he's given so much credence to these two gifts. 
Verse 6, now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? So those are the four ways it becomes beneficial. If we don't have those four ways, then it's not going to be beneficial. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, these were individuals that desired spiritual gifts. We're zealous. We're passionate about these gifts being in operation. Let it be done for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Basically, what these individuals were doing is they were getting up and trying to teach in tongues. They were doing the majority of their speaking in tongues, right? And just thinking that, or spiritual, and that, you know, God's going to bring revelation, or he's going to illuminate people's minds, and he's walking, he's helping them see that that's not how you utilize tongues. And thank God we have this chapter to bring this clarity. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. That goes back to Romans chapter 8, verse 26. You're praying beyond your knowledge. He's not saying you have to know. He's just saying you can pray to know. You can pray to have the revelation. But there's, there's, no, there's no necessity to know what you're praying for them to still be applicable and effective. What is the conclusion? Verse 15. I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Jump down to verse 18. Verse 18. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. But look what he says in verse 19. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Ultimately, what's he saying? In the church, the purpose is the edification, exhortation, bringing comfort to men, the profit and benefit of all. And if you are using a gift in a way that it brings no profit to anyone, then it is ineffective and being misused. So ultimately, what he's saying? Again, he's not discouraging praying in tongues and having a heavenly prayer language. He's discouraging the use of it in its, uh, he's, he's helping us with priority here. He's helping us with weight. He's helping us with value. He says, in your personal life, man, you need to be doing it. I pray more, I pray more in tongues than all of you. I, 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 I use it and exercise it diligently and consistently, and it strengthens my life. But when I'm in a corporate setting, I'd rather speak in a language that can be known. Jump down here to verse 27. We'll wrap it up here. If anyone speaks in a tongue, Let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. So this is, uh, and I'm not going to dive down too deep into this, 
But when this is exercised, we're not going to have an entire service of just people giving tongues and tongues and tongues and tongues and interpretation and tongues and interpretation. He says, let two or three. I've been in services, seen services with pastors that there'll, there'll be a tongue and interpretation, maybe one other. But then maybe someone else just in the flow of things and not really hooked up to the spirit, but just wanting to get in. We'll, we'll start to and, and for the pastor, the shepherd of the church to step and say, no, no, that's it. And it might seem rude and it might seem weird, but keeping in accordance with the word, we're not just going to train this thing where it's just one after the other after the other. And everyone, he says, every one of you's got a tongue. Every one of you's got a word. Every one of you's got a song and a hymn. Every one of you's got a, a word of revelation. He says, no, 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 two or three, let someone give an interpretation, let the church be edified, and then move on with the service. But I've seen services where they just get stuck there. I've seen services where they just get, you know, we just stay in this vein of just tongue after tongue after, and and maybe the first two were spot on, and then after that, we just start losing it. It It becomes more flesh than spirit. Does that make sense? See, this this gift can easily be manipulated because it can be deemed spiritual even though it's fleshly. It can be deemed a move of the spirit. That's why you need shepherds. And I thank God for pastors and shepherds that are bold enough to step up and say, hey, no, that's all. I've been in services. There was one time Pastor Earl was ministering. And a lady stood up while he's preaching and interrupts what Pastor Earl is saying, to give a tongue. Just found a little little blank spot where Pastor Earl wasn't saying nothing, and just, and, and he stopped her. He stopped her. Well, he doesn't have the right, yes, he does. He's the authority of the house. He's the pastor. And he put it this way, Jesus would never interrupt himself. The Holy Spirit would never interrupt Jesus. If, if the pastor's teaching the word, by the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit wouldn't interrupt that to bring. Now, if there's a moment, and again, the pastor or the leader of the house would 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 create that atmosphere. Let's just let, let's just lean into the Holy Spirit. Let's just take a moment, and that's the atmosphere where now we're becoming sensitive. But when we're being taught and preached the Word of God by a pastor, or that is not a time to be just start shouting things and interrupting things, and the tongues becomes more disruptive then beneficial to the profit of all. Amen. So these are just some simple things that we can follow, not to become religious, not to become, you know, you know, very ritualistic, but to exercise, what does he say? He's not the author of confusion. Let everything be done in decency and in order. One or two, at the most three, and in turn, each in turn and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let him speak to himself and to God. What's that mean? That means if you have a tongue that's for you, if you have a tongue where and I, there, there's been times that people will give a tongue, but really what they were feeling in that moment was an urge to pray in the spirit not speak in the spirit. How do you learn the two? Discernment. How do you learn two? You grow in the things of the spirit. We got to grow in the things of the spirit. Got to grow in these things. 
It's not to be uh, disruptive. It's not to bring confusion. It's to bring clarity, to bring benefit and profit to all. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that these gifts are for your church. They're in operation today. We desire, zealously desire. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.